You're listening to the Teach Them Diligently podcast, where we're all about biblical parenting and excellent home education. For more information and to access show notes and additional resources, visit us at teachthemdiligently.net. As a mother and homemaker, do you ever feel like the importance of your work goes unrecognized? Are you struggling to find purpose and meaning in the daily tasks of caring for your home and family? If so, this podcast is for you. Marcy Farrell from The Thankful Homemaker is joining me today to talk about one of my favorite subjects, the true meaning of being a worker at home from a biblical perspective. This isn't just about cleaning and cooking. It's about fulfilling a vital role in God's kingdom. Marcy's going to debunk common misconceptions and reveal the surprising impact your home can have on your family, community, and even your own spiritual growth. You'll gain practical tips and heart-renewing encouragement to reframe your perspective on housework as a ministry of love, to cultivate an ordered heart that reflects God's character, to model Christ-like love and grace to your children and your spouse and to discover lasting joy and purpose in your everyday tasks. By unpacking Titus 2, 3-5 in the context of today's lives, she'll reveal the spiritual weight and societal impact of your role. We're going to talk about how seemingly mundane tasks become acts of love and service reflecting God's character. We'll give you some practical tools to cultivate an ordered home and heart, fostering peace and growth. We'll share biblical perspectives on prioritizing your family without diminishing your own value. And we'll dive into strategies to align your daily endeavors with God's will, experiencing lasting joy and purpose. Get ready to be inspired and equipped to embrace your calling as a worker at home. Subscribing and leaving a rating and review for the Teach Them Diligently podcast is a very practical way that you can join in our ministry of encouraging homeschooling families all around the country. Would you take a moment to leave us a five-star rating and a few sentences of review? It would mean the world to us if you would. I also encourage you to share this podcast with your friends and fellow moms who need a reminder of their God-given worth and purpose. Marcy Farrell is a follower of Jesus who is passionate about sharing gospel-driven encouragement with homemakers at Thankful Homemaker. She's been married to her husband and best friend, Doug, since 1986. Together, they have two children and three grandchildren. They reside in Wisconsin and are active with their church family. Marcy loves caring for her home and family, studying God's Word, reading, and making lists. You can find her online at thankfulhomemaker.com where she blogs and podcasts. So now, join me in welcoming Marcy Farrell to the show today. All right, welcome back to another conversation here at the Homeschooling Families Podcast. I'm very excited to welcome Marcy Farrell with us today. David actually met Marcy at a conference and came home absolutely excited to try to work together. Her vision for equipping families aligns so nicely with ours. In fact, Marcy is at the thankfulhomemaker.com and she's all about gospel-driven encouragement for homemakers, which as you all who listen in here a lot know, that resonates very deeply with both of us. So Marcy, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. It's so good to be here, Leslie. I'm super excited to get time with you today. So thank you for having me. 
Well, you are welcome. I can't wait to welcome you to Pigeon Forge this year and actually get to sit down and and hopefully chat in person while we're there. But for those who may not be familiar with you yet, can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your family and and really what God has given you to do over at Thankful Homemaker? My husband, Doug, and I, we've been married over 37 years, and we have two grown children and three grandchildren, and we reside in the lovely state of Wisconsin, so we're not looking. I know you and I are recording this around Christmas, and we're not even going to have a white Christmas in Wisconsin. Wow. But we love our church family. We just really enjoy time together. My kids live about 20 minutes from us, so I'm grateful for that family time together. We are looking forward to being in Pigeon Forge, and my daughter's going to join us with her kids. She's a homeschooling mom, so she's super excited about that. But but really, you kind of hit it. My purpose at Thank the Homemaker is to provide gospel-driven encouragement to homemakers, and we study God's Word, and we work through it, and how does that apply to our role as homemakers? So I think about that all the time, that we kind of forget sometimes as wives and moms that even as we're doing chores or running errands or whatever we're doing that our role, it matters to God. And God is working out his purposes amidst our ordinary days, just the normal tasks that we're doing. So I love to give that encouragement because I need that encouragement, Leslie. So that's what my listeners get there. Yeah. And that's an excellent point. It doesn't matter how many, how long we've been married or how big our kids have gotten. We still need that encouragement that what God has given us to do has kingdom significance right where we are. And, and so I'm so excited to kind of break that out with you today or unpack it a little bit because really what we do within the four walls of our home has taken such a beating over the last probably 30, 40, 50 years. It has just been constantly under attack, belittled the role that we have. And yet there is no greater platform that we have to reach our children, our community, our churches, and so on than our homes. And so I want you to help us understand a little bit more about what it means to be a worker at home and what really what God's Word says about that. It's kind of foundational for everything else we talk about. Yeah, sometimes I know for us, if you are in God's Word, when we hear that word worker at home, it always takes our minds to Titus 2, 3 through 5. And there's a couple of things I want to share is like, I kind of work through that a little bit. But the first thing is that that God, He's our source of truth, and He's our reference point for all of life. And then the next aspect that we always need to remember is that we should be glorifying God or desiring to glorify God in all we do. That should be the desire of our hearts as Christian women. So I'm just going to read Titus 2, 3 through 5, just to give us kind of a reference point, Leslie, just because I think it'll help us as we work through that keep that worker that term that we hear workers at home or keepers at home. So Titus 2, 3 through 5 reads, Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. And as I look at that, I do Context is key. So I want to just give a really, really quick overview of the book of Titus so we understand where those verses kind of fit in. And so Titus, he's a longtime friend of Paul, and he served with Paul on his second and third missionary journeys. And so Paul is writing a letter to Titus in response to a letter that he received from Titus. He's sharing on what is happening in Crete. And Titus is a young pastor, and he's dealing with opposition from ungodly men and in, in basically in these newly formed churches. And Paul, all he's doing is he's laying out in this letter to Titus how these believers are to conduct themselves in this pagan society that is probably all too eager to find fault 
and criticize this new religion of Christianity, which would be similar to our society today. So in Titus chapter one, Paul lays out, we know those qualifications of church leaders. And then chapter two, which we're looking at here, he's addressing the conduct of church members. So Paul is just instructing Titus to teach the whole counsel of God to these Christians, to men and women. He's got all different age groups in there and slaves he has in there to show. To, so basically, so their lives show a pattern of good works. And then they're that example to that unbelieving world around them. And this passage in Titus now, it lays out for us how the church, or specifically where we're talking about here as these as women in the church, how we're to go about equipping one another in godly living so we can live effective witnesses for Christ. And I always love that in Titus 2.10, like one of the ways we adorn the gospel or to make it beautiful is by the care and keeping of our homes. And we've been given that responsibility as Christian women to the care and management of our homes. We cannot neglect that. And workers at home in Titus 2.5 in, in the Greek, it just means one who's devoted to home duties, or they're preoccupied with domestic affairs, or as I like to just simply say, a homemaker. <laughs> and if we would look at that phrase in the Greek, it just literally reads, younger women should be taught to be homeworkers. So the idea that that text is pointing to is the woman she's caring for the home. She's a good manager of the affairs of her household. And being a worker at home, that's her ministry. She just wants to provide a warm, or her hope is to provide a warm, inviting, comfortable atmosphere for her family. And she works hard to do that. She works hard to also provide a home that points her family to Christ. Because so often, Leslie, we can hear worker at home and we just think the physical chores, like the cooking and the cleaning. and But that includes working hard at training up our children in the ways of the Lord. We want to know their hearts more and more and to model Christ to them. We want to model Christ to our husbands and also, I think, to those that we bring inside our homes, who we show hospitality to, those really inside and outside the church. And the hope always is that we're pointing them to Christ. So basically, to summarize that all of us, just if we are wives and we are mothers, if we are Christian women, really, then our home is our primary place of ministry. It's where we're called to serve, and it really should be the main focus of our attention. Absolutely. We talk a lot over here about the fact that your home is your Jerusalem. You know, everything goes out. There's Judea, the you know, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, but your home truly is the epicenter of the gospel work that God wants you to do. And you have so many opportunities there. And yet I feel like even with the young, not just young, a lot of the moms that I talk to they have such a misconception of what workers at home mean. And I think that that's, you know, they've got all of this messaging coming at them day in and day out of, you know, you could be so much more. Think of the impact you could be making. You should have your own platform. You should have this, that, and the other. So I want to talk, first of all, let's break down what does it not mean so that then we can really look forward at how does this look practically in our families? So what does workers at home not actually mean? What are some of the misconceptions that people have that can really trip us up? Yeah, this is a really good question because it needs to be discussed sometimes because it's not always addressed. So the reality is we are all in different seasons of life and different life circumstances. And I was, this, that text is not saying thou shall not work outside the home. Like It's not, it's not saying that. The point here is not that a woman's place is in the home, but her responsibility is for the home. And I love being reminded of that. So it doesn't mean that she can't have employment outside the home. 
It doesn't mean that she never leaves her home. It doesn't mean that her only ministry is to those inside her household. I'm not thinking, though, when the Apostle Paul wrote this text to Titus that he probably wasn't thinking about career women when he wrote that text. That would have been a different society, but it's where our modern minds tend to go. But him emphasizing as that Greek text, as it read literally, that for the younger women to be home workers. And if we look at it in light of those verses kind of before that we looked at in Titus, where it said that the older women would be reverent in behavior and not malicious gossips or enslaved to much wine. And as we went on with that, that they would encourage the younger women to love their husbands and children and to be sensible, pure. And then our verse today, it's kind of covering the working at home. So it seems to bring Paul's emphasis, I see that, not so much on the location of the wife's work, but prioritizing, again, what the responsibilities of a wife and mother are day to day. So even if it's not this command to stay home, when we look at it in the context, it's clear that the Apostle Paul is laying out for us that even if a woman works outside the home, so whether it's in a job or a ministry or whatever might take her away from her responsibilities at home, still her top priority must be the welfare of her family and home. This has to be above any fulfillment that she may find outside the home. And I want to share, there's a quote, and I really, it stated so beautifully. It's this commentator, it's John MacArthur, and he just said this so beautifully that I want to quote this because I can't do it like he did it. He just said, it's, <laughs> I can't even like summarize it well enough to do it justice. So he just said, the home is where a woman provides the expressions of love for her husband and children. The home is where she leads and guides and teaches and raises the godly generation. The home is where she's protected and secured from other men and potentially wicked relationships and abuses. The home is where she lodges strangers, washes saints' feet, shows hospitality, and devotes herself to every good work. That's her sphere. And he continues, he says, in whatever of that home and whatever of the goodness of her life she can take outside and not sacrifice the home is between her and the Lord and her husband, end quote there. And I, I just think that that statement, it just flows so beautifully with the next part of Titus 2 that we miss sometimes where the Apostle Paul, he's urging the young women not only to be busy at home, but to be kind. So a kind heart, it's going to have compassion and it's going to care for others. And it's not going to get caught up in the world's thinking that being a keeper of your home is wasting your life but it's going to encourage the younger women to have a love for their homes that begins first and foremost with love for God, right? And then it carries over to those inside her home. And that's so important, Leslie. I, I think Jerry Bridges had, I'm such a quoter here today. I'm sorry. I have one more. But Jerry Bridges, he's just a favorite author of mine. He said, apart from God's grace, most of us naturally tend to be concerned about our responsibilities, about our problems, our plans. But the person who has grown in the grace of kindness has expanded his thinking outside himself and his interests and has developed a genuine interest in the happiness and the well-being of those around him. So I come back to that. She's going to have the heart of a servant. She's going to have compassion on the needs of her husband and children. And she's not going to get caught up with the world's way of not seeing the value in caring for her home. So I think in that aspect of that question, Leslie, just you know, what does it not mean? I want to leave us that final sentence there of Dr. MacArthur. He said, reminding us that home is the sphere where he said, whatever of that home and whatever the goodness of her life she can take outside and not sacrifice the home is between her and the Lord and her husband. I think that's a good way to leave that one there. Oh, absolutely. And there were several things as you were going through 
breaking all of that down and how our work at home is actually a show of love, a show of kindness and compassion. And just those words elevate what we're doing. It's not just cleaning toilets and keeping food on the table. There is so much more here. And in that Titus 2 passage, one of the elements that I think we kind of gloss over sometimes, or it fits right in with what you were just saying, is the older women there are instructed to teach the younger women how to love their husbands and children. This is not a love that comes naturally. This is not something that happens without work and investment. And so as we are investing in our home, we are showing that kind of love, but that's the brilliance of God creating us to live in community with one another is we can constantly go to others who are a little farther down the road, who can encourage us, point us, give us tips. We can listen to podcasts like this to get encouraged. That utilizing your home as a way to show love to your husband and children, but also in other passages, it talks about how the way that we live can help win our husband and children. God can use us so powerfully there in ways that we don't even think of when we get so laser focused on what we're missing out on or what, you know, we may have a misconception of what being a worker at home really means. No, I really, you hit it, Leslie, definitely. That is, we miss those opportunities that God has laid out before us right there. And I think so often sometimes, even as being now an older woman, sometimes just really encouraging those relationships within the body of Christ, that the younger women would seek out older women and the older women would seek out younger women. So those mentoring relationships would just happen in a natural format. It doesn't have to be this huge structure. It's just spending time together and talking through things and asking questions and modeling Christ-likeness. And that's been a little bit lost in our culture today. It's there, but I know we can all do probably a lot better at it than we do. So, and always having teachable hearts. I always want to share that with my younger women, have teachable hearts. It's so good to have a teachable heart. (laughs) It is. And yeah, part of that is recognizing your need, you know, because I think sometimes it's not even that there's an arrogance or anything there. You're just so deep in the weeds that you can't even see your way out of it. But recognizing your need, going to others for help and counsel is so, so powerful. But what are some other things? I know you talk to women a lot. What are some other maybe heart adjustments or heart attitude reevaluation that's really helpful for a mom who's really truly wanting to be used at home, but is finding it a real struggle? Yeah. So we know as believers that it's God who has, he's at work in us and he's going to will and work for his good pleasure. And all believers, so we all carry the responsibility to work and God's the one, he kind of energizes our desires and actions, his spirit at work in us, right? And his will is purposely, purposefully, that's a hard one for me to say, it's like a tongue twister, Lord is purposefully planned for us to live a godly life. And our life should be a pleasing sacrifice to him, including working at home, right? And when I think of heart evaluations, I always come back, Colossians 3 is a favorite chapter of mine and Colossians 3, 23 and 24 comes to mind because I always need to be reminded who I'm working for. Like when I lose that focus, I'm probably not going to be in a right frame of mind. And my attitude and my actions and my responses are probably not going to be very Christ-like at my home. So I'm just going to read those Colossians verses. So Colossians 3, 23 and 24 read, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It's the Lord Christ you are serving. So all our work is to be done unto the Lord. And I know 
a lot of times those verses get used in regards to employment outside the home, but as, as a homemaker, the Lord is my employer. So I too, I really should desire to do the work he's given me to do as to him and not to men, because that changes my whole attitude and focus. And sometimes I wonder how it would really change how we see our work in, in our homes and in our attitudes towards our work if we reminded ourselves of that throughout the day, that in serving others and caring for homes and families, that it's ultimately Jesus Christ that we're serving. So I know our our days are busy as wives and moms, right? We have a lot of items on those to-do lists. There's a lot of needs to be met. And you know, I know for me, like you can plan out your whole day and nothing goes as planned, right? <laughs> so if we're going to go about that with a heart that's not focused rightly, then those days they're going to seem really hard and burdensome. But this is where we come back. We have to remind ourselves that God ordains our days. And this is key for me. I think he knows exactly what's needed in each of our lives to mold us more and more into the image of Christ, right? Nothing's by chance. All is by God's good providence. We can get caught up in this temporal view and lose focusing our eyes on the eternal, that those eternal purposes are being worked out. My favorite reminder is this line that I come back to again and again, that our homemaking matters, that it's how our good God is working out his purposes in our lives amid our ordinary days. And the truth is that God does ordain our days, and it should help us not to find ourselves comparing our lives against the lives and circumstances of others. Because again, I come back, the Lord knows what's needed in my life to make me more like Christ, just like he knows what's needed in your life, Leslie. So our circumstances are going to be different. Each of the ladies listening into this, it's going to be different for everyone. So we cannot compare and look at others' lives. We need to know that God knows what's needed in my life to make me more like Christ. So if we're in Christ, and if our hearts have been redeemed, and we're renewed by the work of the Spirit within us, then they've been filled by the love of Christ. And then that needs to be where it begins to change in our hearts and attitudes, right? That these tasks that we are given to do, that they're done with great joy, that knowing that our good God, He's given us these homes and these families to take care of. And then Christ's love within us, it should make sacrifice easily and truly a delight. And that's going to make the difference in our heart attitude towards our tasks at home and all the things that we're dealing with on a daily basis. And we're not going to get it perfect. We are not. There's much grace offered there, but we're going to come back to that reminder, keeping that eternal focus. And that's going to be where the change begins. So taking in scripture, I always say that taking in God's word is so important. Absolutely. And yeah, as you were talking, I was thinking of just how much we represent the Lord. We represent how families function to our kids. We represent what the way that God wants things to be done. And, you know, even in the sacrifices that we make by some of the things that we do or don't do, we are showing our children so much of the grace of God and the love of God. And, you know, that kind of brings us around to some very practical conversation on this too. And that is, you know, as I want to represent the Lord very, very well to my children, that has always been front of mind for me. You know, my mission is to bring my kids to Jesus, help them know him and get a foundation for the faith that will be their own and will carry them forward. That is my primary call as a parent. And so my home is a huge tool for that. The order within my home removes, you know, chaos and friction and stuff so that we're able to present to our kids 
what Jesus is like and that the fact that he's not the author of confusion and all of these different things. How does order or lack thereof in our homes actually impact, you know, really the dynamic of our family and our platform with our kids? Yeah, that is so good, Leslie, just that we want to model Christ to our kids, right? That's huge. So like you hit it, like the opposite of the word chaos is disorder and confusion. And our God, you said it, is he's a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. And I think that's 1 Corinthians 14, 33. And, and as keepers of our homes, we shouldn't desire to live lives of chaos and disorder. And, and it all begins where you stay. It's going to begin in our hearts. So managing our households orderly, it's a way of responsibly stewarding what the Lord has entrusted to us. And, and that involves even wisely managing our resources, our time, our talents, but also maintaining order in our homes, it can help to bring about a peaceful environment. It's not the key or the only thing, but it can really help to bring about that. We don't want our goal of having order in our homes to be this feeling of rigid perfection, but we should desire, you know, we can get caught up in that at times. I know that I'm a tidy freak, so I really have to caution my heart here, but we should desire to create an environment where the love of Christ is evident. You hit it. The hope is that it is a warm and loving and grace-filled environment. And cultivating an ordered heart, it really involves aligning our priorities with biblical principles and continuously seeking God's guidance in managing our homes and families. Everything we do, right? Any project we take on, it always has steps to complete it. There's order in everything. And God has laid out in his word how we're to live in our marriages and families. That's pretty clear. There's order in there, even things we think like how our churches are to function. And we know when we do it, God's ways work best always. I know that. I know when I do it God's way, it works best. So I think about even, you know, just being the Christmas season, how our perfect orderly creator God sent his son Jesus Christ at the perfect time, right? So since our God is a God of order, we should be too. He created us to think in orderly ways. The more we learn about who he is and the more we become like him, the more orderly our lives will become. He's given us commands to follow and God's laws, they're not burdensome, but they're where we find true freedom and abundant life. So in Christ, we are now set apart to live God's way. So to bring this kind of practically home to us, one way that we begin to think rightly is to study and know his word. And it really has to begin there. We need to spend time with him. And as we do, our good God, he begins to change our thinking from the inside out. And as we come to know who God is and then what he desires of us, our priorities begin to change. He gives us hearts of obedience to his truths as they're revealed to us. So practically ordered heart is going to be a heart that desires God's best for her home and her family. And the fruit of the spirit is going to be evident in her life. She's going to more and more respond to others in her home with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness. And I think a key one here too is self-control, right? And that's a huge one. As we live lives that are Christ-centered, then we're going to find ourselves asking the Lord a little more, like, would this please the Lord? And we're going to bring things to Him in prayer as we seek Him, maybe before we make decisions or before we respond to others, maybe in challenging situations. We're going to take that moment to pause and pray before we respond. We're going to desire to obey commands out of love for Him. Like, when I'm reminded of what Jesus did on Calvary for me, how can I desire to not do what's pleasing to Him? It really should be our great joy in life that we've been given new life in Christ, that we can now, we want to honor the Lord in all things, and we want to live a life that's pleasing to Him. So if I find myself all of a sudden 
serving my family, thinking that I'm above this work or it's mundane or I don't see any purpose or value in it. I'm not thinking rightly about God's will for my life in that moment. He has gifted me with a family to love and to care for, a home to care for. I should be thankful and I need to give thanks to him in all things, knowing that he's working all things for my good and his glory. I always come back. Romans 28 is one of my favorite reminders to my heart throughout my days. And then bringing it back again, more and more to him, making me more like Christ as I continue to die to self and live to him. And Having a heavenly perspective is huge. I think there are those verses in Colossians 3, 1 and 2, that if we've been raised with Christ, those verses are so helpful to be reminded of because as we spend time in the Word of God in prayer and we study God's Word, and we memorize it, and we meditate on it, and we are fellowshipping with the saints, then setting our minds on things above, it's also going to help us to kill sin in our lives. Our thought lives are going to our thought lights do, I should say, they affect our pursuit of holiness. I mean, it begins in my thought life. So if I'm not thinking rightly about a situation, I'm probably not going to respond rightly. And I'm probably going to find myself sinning some way, whether it's my words or my actions. One commentator stated on these verses in Colossians, he said, to be preoccupied with heaven is to be preoccupied with the one who reigns there and his purposes, plans, provisions, and power. It's also to view the things, people, and events of this world through his eyes and with an eternal perspective. So he says, he continues, he says, when Christians begin to live in the heavenlies, they will live out their heavenly values in this world to the glory of God. So that's the perspective that we need to have in our homes. And that's the way our hearts need to be ordered. And that's the thinking there that helps us to have priorities and hearts that are focused on what matters most that we, and you said it earlier, we want to know Christ more and we want more and more to make him known. So I think that's key. Oh, it is. And I just want to note for everyone listening in, one of the signs of spending a lot of time in the Word of God and and abiding in Him, as we're told in John, is that as you are talking about any subject, Scripture just naturally flows. You are able to go back and apply all of these different passages, and that comes out as you are parenting in ways that will just blow your mind as God works through you or as you're talking to your spouse or whatever. And a lot of those conversations are made possible within your home. And so it just, all of these things work together. God in His wisdom told us to be in His Word. The Holy Spirit whispers these things as we are just living out our lives day in and day out and gives us wisdom answering our prayers all through the day if we're looking for it by allowing us to have those times to engage with our kids and our spouse and anyone else that comes into our sphere of influence, which is often in our home. So I just, that is just another reason why it's so important to spend time in God's word every day, get to know him and his word well, apply it very, very practically to your life. You're going to be amazed at how many different ways you find throughout your day to use the scriptures that you have read. And maybe you've read and thought you've forgotten, and yet God still, his word doesn't return void. He brings it back to mind. You know, Marcy, we're running low on time, but I have one more thing that I want you to help us with because I know that a lot of the moms who are listening in here are really deeply involved. They have ministry things going on. They have other responsibilities outside of the home. What are some practical ideas that you would give to them Because at different seasons, you really do feel that friction, that hole on yourself, and you're trying to figure out how to juggle it all. How can you help them 
really practically understand how to prioritize their home and still, you know, walk through some of these other doors that God may open for them at different seasons of their lives. Yeah, and that's so good, Leslie, because this is stuff we deal with and we do need wisdom with the Lord. And I think about just Proverbs 31, that example gives us a good balance between business and life. And, you know, in, in that proverb, she didn't neglect her primary home responsibilities, but this can be a hard balance sometimes. And it's still a struggle for me on some days and various seasons of my life. So I always think a key is we need to make sure that our priorities and values are clearly defined and that they're based on biblical principles. And that really involves acknowledging the importance of your role at home while also bringing, you know, you're acknowledging your commitments outside the home, whatever that may be. And I'm I'm just going to kind of share briefly how we've done this in our home. I'm an example person and I love practical. So let me just kind of start there because my natural bent is to get overwhelmed and I can take on more than I can handle. And my wonderful, loving, kind husband knows pretty quickly when I've done this. So over the years, I've learned and I'm still learning how to manage my time. And I'm a planner. And while I do believe in the importance of making plans and stewarding my time well, I've learned to approach my schedule with an open hand to the Lord. And I understand, I always come back that ultimately it's the Lord that ordains my days. That has helped me immensely in my planning that when things don't go right. So I do use that planner to prioritize my appointments and activities at the start of a new month. And then then I'll kind of take each week on Sunday evenings. And one thing that has been good for my husband and I is we plan our weeks and months together. So we actually kind of start with the year. You know, at the start of a new year, we kind of prioritize goals and values and directions for our family, things we'd like to accomplish, how we'd like to pour into our grandchildren and our children and even into our marriage, our relationship, our church family. So we'll look at those values and priorities over as a year then we'll break it down to months. And then each week we kind of sit together and plan. And again, we're empty nesters now. So it's, as I said, different seasons, but still yet, I can still get overwhelmed and take on too much because I do have a little more freedom than I did when I had kids at home. But as we do schedule and do that, the, the thing that I'm thinking through, and I want to make sure that this is key sometimes, because you know I'll go from family ministry and church, but then I want to come back to my home. So as I'm looking at my week, I want to make sure that for me, I plan meals for the week, that we have clean clothes to wear, that my home is neat and tidy and in order. Not perfect, but that we have order. I want my home to be a warm, inviting atmosphere. And not just for those outside, but for those inside my home. Sometimes we forget that we're really good at getting our homes prepared when company is coming. But the care of my family, again, is that priority as a keeper of my home. So one thing for me that's a flag is if I find myself that I'm really falling behind on the basic upkeep of my home, and maybe all of a sudden we're eating too much takeout food, and my poor husband is finding himself way down on that list of prioritizing time with, it's really time for me to pause and pray over my list and make some adjustments. And I get it. There are busy days and there are busy seasons. I get it. But I'm really talking about our day-to-day lives. They should not be in chaos every day. So one thing that I highly recommend is to sit and plan. If you're married, seek your husband's guidance and input. You're a keeper of your home. Your husband is the head of the household and his input needs to be considered. And they can be very insightful and so helpful. My husband has saved me many a time from overcommitting. Yeah, he gets me to think about things that I wouldn't in certain ways, the questions he asks that maybe didn't fit in with our family. With a pri- It wasn't a good priority for our family's life, I should say. So take time, pray over your schedule, pray over your to-do list, do your planning, seek your husband's guidance, and really take a step back and just 
laying out those priorities clearly for your home is going to be key. If you start somewhere, start there because that's how you will plan your days. Because maybe there's things that need to go. You know, it doesn't, we can so often take so many things on and we don't take the time to go, is this a really good fit for my family? Or is this something that is a really good fit for me? And they can all be really, really good things, but maybe they're not the best thing for you right now. So there's just different seasons of life. So coming back, there's a lot of good things we can do, but are they the best things for our family in the seasons of life? Because sometimes things may need to go in our schedule. So I'm always coming back, pray and ponder through what's most important for your family. And that's key. And set those goals and priorities for your family's life. I I think that's a help in planning our days. So I hope that was a little helpful. (laughs) Very much so. And so many of the things that you said, I was sitting here, amen, amen, because we've experienced the same thing where even though one of my children has moved out and, you know, lodged, I still can find myself getting very overwhelmed. Just last night, David was like, I'm kind of sensing this creeping up in you. And it's so good to have that open communication to actually, I think part of of submission there is the humility to listen when they're speaking truth and when they're there to serve. You know, he isn't telling me that I'm getting frantic because he's irritated. He's telling me because he sees where I'm heading and, you know, like it's emotional breakdown or something. Yeah. Yeah. He's concerned for you because he loves you. Exactly. Exactly. But if that is not met with a humility and a listening ear and an understanding heart on my side, that doesn't, you know, you're really undermining his ability to do his job as well. And so, you know, all of these things work together so beautifully in God's plan and just everything gives us the opportunity to show our kids what that looks like. And that, again, we just kind of loop back to that. God's ways are always best, as you noted. So get in his word and seek his counsel for each decision you make, and you'll be amazed at how he leads you. Marcy, we are very, very much low on time, but I want you to tell everybody where they can find you. I know that you have a podcast, you have a blog, you have some resources. So tell us about those before we go. Yeah, very simply. You can find my blog and podcast at thankfulhomemaker.com. I have some courses and resources for homemakers there, but the podcast, I'd love them to listen. And it's on any podcaster, catcher app, I guess I would say that correctly. And it's literally Thankful Homemaker. So very simply. Thank you, Leslie. Well, you're welcome. And we'll be sure to link to all of those things in the show notes because I think that you can tell by this conversation that Marcy is somebody that you're going to want to connect with, listen to, glean wisdom from. So Marcy, again, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I appreciate your time today. Thanks for having me on, Leslie. Thank you. You're very welcome. And to the rest of you, thank you guys for hanging out with us. I know that this has been a help to you. I hope that it's caused you to slow down and think a little bit. You know, we talk about heart schooling around here and the fact that if you line everything up behind the mission that God has given you, that all of these decisions that you're making day to day become a whole lot easier because you have this one big mission. So how does saying yes to this or allowing this into your home or whatever, how does that impact your ability to do your mission? That is one really good way to line all of this stuff up. I invite you to join us in Teach Them Diligently 365. Surround yourself with a community of older moms and younger moms where you can grow together. It's amazing to me how often people are gathering either on Zoom or just discussing in our app, just different 
questions or things that people are coming up with. Allow older moms to invest in you that way. Look for someone in your church. Really connect deeply where you are. God has created us to live in community with one another. So I invite you to look at that. I'll give you links to all of those things in the show notes as well. I hope that you have a great rest of your day. I hope you're planning to come to Pigeon Forge and see Marcy there. Be sure that you connect with her through her podcast and blog and other resources. Again, the show notes will give you all of that. Have a great rest of your day. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you found this episode to be very practical and encouraging and that you've got some great takeaways to start implementing in your heart school right away. Go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash podcast to catch up on all the episodes and to learn more about the other resources and experiences Teach Them Diligently offers families like yours. Subscribing and leaving a rating and review for the Teach Them Diligently podcast is a very practical way you can join in our ministry of encouraging Christian homeschool families around the country. Would you take a moment to leave us a five-star rating and a few sentences of review? It would mean the world to us if you would. Thanks in advance for your kindness, and we look forward to talking to you again real soon.